I'm sitting down to record this podcast the week before Christmas. And those of you who've listened to the podcast for a while have um, heard me talk about my relationship with the holidays. And in some ways, I really value it as a sort of deeply reflective spiritual time. Uh, spiritual in the like not religious sense, but spiritual in the reflecting on long, dark, cold nights and bright lights that sort of shine a light of hope into otherwise dark spaces. Since I was a child, I've loved when my parents would drive us around the city where I grew up and find the neighborhoods that had just the best Christmas light displays. And I loved how bright and brilliant those lights were in contrast to the darkness around them. So I feel like the holiday season is really a study in contrast. The longest, darkest night of the year, all of these stories, whether it's Hanukkah or the traditional Christmas story that celebrate light, the star that led the way for the wise men, the, the lighting of candles in both the Hanukkah and the Advent traditions. There are probably lots of other traditions that celebrate or that use light in their celebrations that I'm not deeply aware of. So I apologize if I'm leaving out a really beautiful tradition. But I think so much of this season and I've come to appreciate it so much more that now that we live in a place that has deep winter. But so much of this season is about these little granules of hope that help get you through the darkness and the cold. Welcome to the Zen Founder Podcast. This is a place where we have conversations about mental health and entrepreneurship. We have a pretty broad conceptualization of what mental health means sometimes depression, anxiety, sometimes relationships or physical health. The goal here is to bring some calm into the crazy roller coaster of ups and downs that is life for many entrepreneurs. I'm your host, I'm Dr. Sherry Walling. I'm a clinical psychologist and an entrepreneur, married to an entrepreneur, live in the world of entrepreneurs, and I'm so pleased that you have joined us for this conversation. To be totally honest, this has been a year of grief. It's been a year of darkness and heaviness and death. Um, it's been a year of hard conversations and loneliness and all of these things that I help other people through, but really did not aspire to be such an expert in myself. But that's been this year for me. So coming into the holidays, the truth is I just don't have a lot of energy for the baking and the parties and the big hullabaloo. <laughs> But I do have a, a deep awareness within myself of the need for practices that help spark that light of hope. So we are lighting Advent candles this year. And we are doing some simple things like putting lights on the tree that help to tell the story of the light that's come into dark places. I gotta be honest, I think hope is a pretty radical act. If you're listening to this podcast, asynchronously or after the fact. This is also the week that the House of Representatives voted to impeach President Trump. And so I, I don't know about you, but I have a feeling of like, oh my gosh, the world is sort of spinning out of control a little bit. I think if you look around, there are lots of reasons to feel very, very concerned about, you know, the future of the planet, the capacity for humans to relate well to each other, and even the, the general well-being of our minds and our bodies as, as a species. I am, of course, deeply aware of the steep rise in rates of suicide that um, we're observing within the last 20 years in our society. 
So hopelessness is pretty rampant. Hopelessness is one of the drivers of depression. It's also one of the consequences of depression. The inability to be able to conceptualize a benign or at least neutral future is one of the hallmarks of a mind that's not well. It's a sign of you know, mental illness from a diagnostic standpoint. When we lose hope, we don't flourish. So one of the things that I'm asking myself this year as I look forward to January and a new year is what am I hopeful for? What kinds of things cultivate hope within me? And what do I hope will come to be in my life or in the world? And what am I going to give my energy to in terms of pursuing the things that I hope for? It's a bit of a different take on the uh, goal-setting narrative. I particularly like the word hope because of its relationship with expectation. So I think a very simple definition of hope is the feeling of expectation for a certain thing to come to be. Many of you know that um, I lost my brother to suicide this year. And of course, suicide is the, the ultimate act of hopelessness, where there's no expectation whatsoever that anything will change or improve or get better. There's no expectation of a future. So the fact that my brother felt like that carries a deep sadness for me. One of the things more pragmatically that I've been grappling with in the aftermath of losing him is how his experience was such a departure from my expectations of how mental health care should happen. So my brother died less than two weeks after he left a treatment facility where he had been treated for depression and for some suicidal thoughts. And, you know, it's not their fault, but there was very little follow-up. There was very little that happened when he signaled really clearly that he didn't feel safe in this transitional housing um, facility that they discharged him to. There was very little option for him to find a safe location or for him to return to treatment when you know, he signaled to me, he signaled to my mother, he signaled to his former therapist that he wasn't doing well. And that's not how that's supposed to go. My expectation and really the expectation of most clinicians is that there's a clear follow-up plan that involves ongoing therapy and involves a transition that is gentle and careful. My brother didn't experience that. And I think there is some responsibility placed with this organization because, frankly, they just didn't do a good job. I'm grappling with the loss of him. Quite naturally, I'm sort of looking at, like, what happened? How could this have been prevented? And one of the things that I come back to is the realization that this, this organization just didn't do a good job with this transition. And I started to reach out to them a little bit and notice that... Um, they didn't have any mental health professionals on their board of directors. And I began to talk with some people within the organization about that and sort of ask like, hey, why do you not have any mental health professionals on the board? And of course the conversation became, hey, well, you're a mental health professional. <laughs> Are you interested in joining the board? And um, I really wasn't at that point. I was really angry and really feeling like, you guys suck. Like <laughs> you did such a bad job with this transition that it, it was one, of many, many things that contributed to my brother's death, but it was one of them. So I went for this meeting with one of the members of the board and I frankly kind of went angry, like ready to sort of tell my story and, and look at him and say like, how, how, who's accountable for this? 
can you take some responsibility for this? And of course I sit down and we start talking and it's, we're just, you know, five minutes in when I realized that this person had also lost a family member to suicide, which is why they were on the board to begin with, why they were working with his organization to begin with. And uh, all of my like anger and indignation kind of dissipated not because I don't think that there are things that could be significantly improved in the way that this situation was handled, but because I just realized that there are so many brokenhearted humans out there who are working to try to make things a little bit better. And I decided that I wanted to be one of those humans, someone who is hopeful about aligning reality with expectations, <laughs> hopeful about raising the level of care in this organization to match how people should be treated with dignity when they are ready to leave treatment. And so I'm beginning January as a board member, feeling kind of out of my league because <laughs> I've never been on a board before, but in some ways hopeful that some of this could be better for another family, that some of this could be better for another person who's leaving treatment with more support. That this organization who, you know, employs 700 people and has a giant operating budget could become a little bit more careful and a little bit more compassionate in how those transitions happen. So that's one of my big hopes for the new year. And I think it's been an experience where it feels like it could be really easy to join with my brother's view of the future being hopeless. But it's just not how I'm built and it's just not who I wanna be. And so I'm leaning into hope. I'm leaning into like little glimmers of light in the midst of really a lot of darkness and bullshit. But it's definitely not easy. And the holidays I think are a particularly difficult time for those of us who are living in some amount of grief or just those of us who've had a really hard year. <laughs> I know I'm not alone in the sense that this year was a doozy. So I thought I would leave you with a few uh, tips for making it through tricky holidays for those of you who are not necessarily feeling joyful and merry right out the gate. The first suggestion I have for finding hope in the darkness <laughs> of the holiday season is spending time where it matters most. Rather than doing every party and every tradition and every option available to you, picking a couple things that feel most meaningful to you and give your energy to them. Maybe you really love gift giving. That is not my superpower. But if it's something that you really love, then do that. But maybe don't do all the baking or, or don't do the Christmas cards or don't do the other things. Notice the, the one or two seasonal activities that bring you the most joy and double down there and let go of the rest. Another strategy for sort of managing emotional states in this season is to change the narrative. I know um, for our family, Thanksgiving is a really big holiday or was a really big holiday when my dad was alive and he was like the master of the menu. He was amazing at spreadsheets and planning and getting everything prepared and then getting everything cooked and out and hot at the same time. Like he just had that dialed in and there's no way on earth that I can replicate that. And I, I just really didn't want to try this year. So rather than 
have a holiday that felt like, oh, we're really missing his presence as the amazing Thanksgiving conductor. Rob and I took our kids and we like ate in this surfer bar in San Diego. <laughs> we were the, the only people with it, you know, with children in this bar and we had a really fantastic time and they were serving a turkey dinner and the kids thought it was great. And, you know, it may not be the thing that we do every year, but it was a totally different kind of story. There was Thanksgiving enough that I feel like my, you know, my kids still had the experience of the tradition but was also very non-traditional. And so we just changed the story and we're doing something similar for Christmas. I think that has helped to ease that sense of empty seats or loneliness that can really come with the holiday season for those of us who are in some level of grief. So part of that is really just letting go of expectations and tradition and just letting yourself do a thing that brings you joy and delight. Another strategy for uh, keeping yourself mentally healthy and sane during the holidays is if you are in a place of loneliness or depression or a little heaviness, just get off social media. Let yourself have a social media vacation during the holiday season because it's it's maybe not the best time of year to be seeing everybody's highlight reel, all of the pictures of families in matching pajamas and children opening presents, it just might not be good for your heart and soul right now. So permission granted to take a total break from all social media until like January 5th, when all of the Christmas and holiday postings have cleared and you can, you know, go back to cynical political narratives and videos of cool puppies. Another suggestion for getting through this darker season of the year is to Netflix and chill. <laughs> and if you know me, you'll know that I am sometimes critical of that as a way to rest because I, I don't know that it's particularly restorative. But I say this for this time of year because I, I find it to be a kind of hibernation. It's okay to hibernate. It's okay to not be productive. It's okay to binge watch something and you know, put a fire in the fireplace and just practice being warm and cozy and still and letting the time pass, just getting through it. We don't have to optimize all the time. And I think the wintry holiday season can be a nice time to give ourselves permission to cave up and let the clock tick by and not worry about it. And the last thing that I would suggest if you are in a more tender place this holiday season is to find, to find a tribe of other tender-hearted people. Um, last week I hopped on Zoom and had a beautiful conversation with a, an acquaintance who also lost her brother to suicide this year. And so we just understand each other really well. And we talked a lot about the holidays and how it's beautiful and hard all at the same time. And so that sense of feeling not alone, of feeling, okay, somebody else gets this, I think was really important. And she had some great points. I had some great points. And we were able to really connect but also share strategies for getting through this time. So I think if you are in a very specific tender spot like grief, it's a great time to try to connect with people in your inner circle or just even a few layers out from your inner circle in your acquaintance circle who've had similar experiences 
and give them that nod of knowing, which is so powerful. So this is the last podcast that I'll release in 2019, this wonderful doozy of a year. And I won't lie, I'm really happy to be writing a new number and have a new number on the calendar. I welcome the change. And from the core of my being, I do feel hopeful about what's possible in the coming year. So I hope that you too are finding spaces of quiet and cultivating your own capacity for hope in the inner recesses of your mind and heart and that we can all enter 2020 rested and whole and hopeful. Thanks for listening. We'll be back in two weeks with a new episode of the podcast. In the meantime, feel free to check out zenfounder.com for lots of resources about the kinds of conversations that we have on the podcast. You can get information about working with me, about maybe joining a Zen tribe. It's sort of like a mental health boot camp for entrepreneurs. We also have lots of content on our blog, links to resources in our courses and books for sale. So check us out there and we hope to provide anything and everything that you might need to make the entrepreneurial life a little bit easier.